How are we going, mates? Welcome back to the Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland Smith. About to be joined by Grant Balfour and our special guest. He was just on the Hall of Fame ballot. He's an American League MVP in 2006, four-time also, has a stellar career, Mr. Justin Morneau. You can also catch him on the Twins broadcast. But super excited to talk to Justin. There's so many things I want to chat to him. I am, I, I will admit, I'm a little nervous talking to Justin. He did own me in the big leagues. We're going to hopefully get to that at some point, bring up some uh, embarrassing numbers against him. But uh, can't wait. He, he's, again, like I said, great career and so much good insight and, and good stuff to talk about. But before we get into that, make sure you click subscribe. I tell you, every single week, make sure you go tell your mates, spread the word. Uh, so we can keep doing this throughout the 2022 season once we get done with this lockout. Make sure you go follow us on social media at the Top Step Podcast, at hyphen18, at Grant Balfour 50. I'm not going to take up any more of your time, mates. Let's get right into it. It's Grant Balfour and Justin Morneau join me right here on the Top Step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> Face a Hall of Famer, <laughs> especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball, he struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was as six. Victor Martinez and Grant Belfort join and benches have cleared. My goodness. This... This is Grant Balfour being Grant Balfour. Yeah. He he is, as you mentioned, Jim, he's amped up. He talks a lot. It's not personalized, but he talks a lot. In fact, he has the demeanor of a guy that wants to fight you. You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Killing them. Kill, kill, Grant, killing how are we? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, champion. I'm, I'm excited for this one. One of your mates who's coming on, joining us pretty soon here in a couple of minutes. Yeah, mate. Justin Morneau. Going to be uh, excited about talking to him, mate. Just thinking back, takes me back to the good old days with the Twins and uh, early on in the career and great player and, and just a great bloke off the field. So looking forward to it. Stellar career too. He was on the Hall of Fame ballot. You look at that and you go, man, like not because of his performance, because he kind of just snuck off, you know, rode off into the sunset. He's one of these guys that like the game was done and then it's like, all right, it wasn't like he was big on social media or any of that. And now come to find out, I didn't realize this, but he's doing color for the Minnesota <clears throat> Twins, which is awesome, by the way. I would sit there and listen to that in a heartbeat. But I just never, and you can help me out with this. And we're about to speak to him in a couple of minutes. I never, ever picked him to be a guy to come back after he's done and do TV. I thought he'd just sneak off and go, you know, ride his snowmobile around Canada or something. <laughs> he lives up there in Minnesota. And uh, honestly, I don't know how he's got the time. Mate. I think he's got five kids, wife and five kids, lives on a somewhat of a farm, little hobby farm. So uh, somehow he juggles it all in there, mate. So he's living out in the sticks in Minnesota. Yeah, in the boonies, mate. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that sets us up perfectly for our word of the day. Now, I haven't given you a heads up on this one, all right? No, you haven't. We have to knock out the word of the day before, quickly before Justin comes on. The Australian, and for those of you who, who are new to the show, every episode we do an Aussie word of the day. So we give you a word or a phrase or something and basically educate you on that. Then we do an Aussie segment, usually at the end, unless our guest sticks around for, for a long time, like the last couple of weeks. But Grant, the word of the day, and it's a good one, whoop, whoop. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> 
Yeah, mate. It, uh, I suppose that comes right into uh, what I was just talking about. I don't know if he lives in Whoop Whoop, uh, out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, that could be hours and hours away, but he, uh, yeah, apparently he's just he's got a bit of land, you know. So basically, <laughs> Whoop Whoop is is basically in the middle of nowhere. So. Yeah. Like, I oh, lives out in Whoop Whoop. So basically, and for me too, you, look, you grew up in Sydney. I grew up in Newcastle, right? But anywhere in between, because I was living on Lake Macquarie, right? Which not many people oh, even yeah. in Australia, they're like, oh, Lake Macquarie. They don't know, they know where Lake Macquarie is, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on what state you're no, from. I know exactly where it is, man. Right. But you don't really know the surrounding areas. So like, uh, I'd be hanging out with people in Sydney. They're like, oh, you live out in Whoop Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Well, basically, yeah, from Sydney it is, I suppose. Right, yeah, and I'd get, I'd yeah. get offended, mate. I, I would, you know, when I was a kid, I was very offended by that. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's awesome. We've got the lake. <laughs> <laughs> but but Whoop basically living out in the middle of nowhere, lives lives out in Whoop Whoop. So that's a good yeah. one. If you want to throw that at us on social media, I am noticing too, Grant, before Justin jumps on here. On yeah. social media, I'm getting people sending me messages, um, yeah. throwing in some of the Aussie words of the day. I love it. They throw in the no dramas, hey, no dramas, or whatever. Or, yeah, there's a bunch yeah. of them. If you do want to throw a whoop whoop at me, if you do live in whoop whoop too, reach out to us. Um, yeah, let us know where. Yeah, let us know where. So, first thing you're going to ask Justin, dude, how's, how, how's it? What's it like living out in whoop whoop? Is that what you're going to ask him right off the bat or no? Uh, mate, yeah, like I said, I don't know if he's that far out of the cities, but <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, 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 uh, we'll mess with him a little bit. All right, here he is calling him from whoop whoop. Justin, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for having me. Looking forward now, to it. We, we were talking before you came on, and and like Grant Grant mentioned, you do listen regularly, so you kind of know the format of the show, which is fantastic. We appreciate you listening. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Now we're talking. Hey, we're talking. I want to ask you this because I just pulled up a video of it. You, where you're living in Minnesota, Grant was telling me because I think you, I was texting Grant. He goes, "I oh, just sent me a photo of his, of his his pond, basically, right." I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. And Grant was like, oh, he plays hockey out on the pond, this and that. So I'm thinking to myself, in my head, I'm picturing, you know, something you see on Mighty Ducks where the limo pulls up or whatever, you know, like just an open pond. <laughs> but dude, 20 by like 20. Full on friggin', you have like a full-on ice rink, like with walls and everything. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's an obsession. We uh, we got a pretty good game going. They they did uh, – <clears throat> actually, they just did a story on it in the athletics. So it was uh, – getting a lot of feedback on it but we have there's so many hockey guys that live here that stay here i think the most the most american hockey players come from minnesota so there's a lot of guys here so it's yeah. usually myself Corey koski joe mauer and then uh hot rod from the clubhouse and, and uh you know a few other guys come over and, and uh, we play a little game when the kids are in school it's uh I, I tell everyone i put it up for my kids but i skate on it way more than they do so so wow. dude, if you if you're a diehard twins fan i mean mm. You know, not that everyone, not that anyone will ever get the address, but you must be thinking in your your in your wildest friggin' dreams. You're thinking to yourself, all right, Joe Mauer, who was you know a lifetime lifelong twin yourself. You mentioned Corey Koski, so you dudes post playing career are legitimately out there playing hockey all the time on this pond. But <laughs> <laughs> well, once a week we get out there. It's uh, uh, yeah. it's one of those things where where you know you just. We need to compete. It, it gets cold here in the winter, so it, you got to find something to do. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable all the time. So it's 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 fun to get out there. But you know, we we've all had a, we all had a you know some pretty serious concussions too. So it's not like we're out there full contact, you know, hammering on each other. It's it's everyone's kind of playing with their head up a little bit. Everyone's trying to make sure we walk away and nobody gets hurt. So it's it's competitive, yeah. but it's not it's not crazy. You know, like you're watching uh, 
you know, an NHL game where guys are taking runs at each other and taking slap shots off the shins and stuff. We play no pads, so nobody shoots when stand, somebody stand in front of them. So it's okay. it's a friendly competitive game. It's not uh, it's not crazy, no goalies or anything like that. So it's a uh, it's a good way to get some exercise in the winter. Is it one of those things, mate? I got asked that if you build it, they will come, or what? Is it like the field of dreams for hockey, or what, mate? You get any uh, any fans coming to these games, or what? <laughs> no, not yet. Local, Dick River actually, he offered, Dick offered to come by and do Dick offered to come by and do play by play when he saw the uh, article. So, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can, the lights are pretty good. They're uh, you can see it from the road, but it's it's. Uh, wow. I don't know. It's just it's just fun. I think most yeah. of the time we play when the kids are at school, so it's. Uh, yeah just get out there and have a little fun with the boys and talk a little trash and all that stuff. So great. You need to get out there, mate. Yeah, mate. Jeez. I mean, uh, I, we it, might it, have fans it, if you decide to do that. <laughs> he might put I you mean, in uh, the wall. I, I, I haven't put a pair of skates on mate since the last time. And, and you know, when the last time was, I never, <laughs> I never put them on. <laughs> But you were better than I don't go flat on my face. I can ski down the, the hill with the skis, but when it comes to skates, mate, I'm, I, I wouldn't be able to skate. I'd be holding onto the rails on the side. Dude, you were a bit of a gun on the rollerblades, though, back in Australia along the beach. Yeah, the right. Shorts on no shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, down at Bondi Beach, you'd see me in me in me sluggers. <laughs> <laughs> no shirt on. Blades, oh, rollerblades when they were cool back in the nineties. So, so everyone that I mean, for people that are listening, for the, the million listeners that we've got today listening you know everyone probably give you a little bit of a heads up about justin if you didn't know as a obviously a hall of fame twins baseball player you know obviously great career there but it was a, the your love you probably your first love i suppose was hockey growing up in um westminster in bc up there and, and you weren't bad i gotta give you a bit of a rap there mate you weren't bad you're a goaltender you want to maybe just give us a little bit of an insight on on some of that growing up before you you know took a career on in baseball yeah, I think I actually talked to my dad about this a couple of years ago, and he, he told me, which I was surprised to hear, he said he always thought I was going to try and play hockey. He always thought that was my first love, and, and I love playing hockey. I mean, it's the number one sport in Canada, and, you know, you have this yeah. this dream of, you know, you see it, you go to the games. We, we had a – there's a baseball team, you know, in Seattle. We had a minor league team in Vancouver that we could go to, but, I mean, the NHL, Hockey Net in Canada on Saturday nights, I felt like I never missed it as a kid. And, I mean, I was either playing street hockey, I was – on the ice as much as we get on the ice. So it, it was one of those things where I just, I loved it. But unlike today's sports, spring break hit middle of March, hockey was done and, and baseball started. So, I mean, I played one for six months and then, you know, Labor Day hit early September, hockey tryouts would start, baseball would be done. And it was kind of one of those things where if you ask me during hockey season, I tell you hockey was my favorite sport. And if you ask me during baseball season, baseball yeah. was my favorite sport. So I, I was just one of those kids that loved to play. You find a game and I, I love to compete and play and, I, I think I was better at baseball, so it was a little easier choice. Like there was more of an opportunity for education in baseball for me. You know, I could have gone to junior college, a four-year school, and then there was obviously the opportunity to get drafted out of high school, which I was. So it's one of those things where I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. I still love it, but couldn't play while I was playing. And then now I got a rink in my backyard. So I think it all worked out. Hey, I'm going to ask you this, man. We, we grew up in Australia where baseball, I mean, yeah, no one – yeah, not that they didn't care about baseball, but you, especially where I grew up, man, you were soft. Like, if you weren't playing rugby, you're playing baseball, dude. Like, you, you know, are you kidding me? Was it like that where you grew up? Like, if you were, if you started to get more serious, all your hockey buddies, and you started to get more serious for baseball, were they like, dude, like, let's go? Like, like, it, like, not that you were the outcast, but you were kind of soft because you weren't taking hockey seriously enough. 
Well, see, where I grew up, it was, we had, you know, ice in the rinks in the, you know, from September until March or whatever. And then they take the ice out and they play box lacrosse. So they play indoor lacrosse. Oh, yeah. oh. You know, there's field lacrosse, there's box lacrosse. And all my friends play lacrosse. And in my town, we have one of the best lacrosse uh, programs in Canada. And, and they won, you know, Man Cup, which is kind of an equivalent of the Stanley Cup in, in hockey, this lacrosse Canada lacrosse championship. And my town, you know, was the best in the, in the junior. My town was the best in the senior. So it was it was one of those things where if you didn't play lacrosse in my town, the boys, they made fun of me. You know, they had this, they used to have shirts, you know, the boys of summer play baseball and the men of summer play lacrosse. And, you know, I used to hear about it a lot. So that's why actually in my, in my speech at the Twins Hall of Fame, I, I gave them a little, little jab there for, you know, for mocking the guys a little bit for making fun of me for being a baseball player. So it, it is, it's like one of those things, same thing, rugby, same thing, hockey, lacrosse, yeah. you know, where I grew up and, you know, it just, my dad wouldn't let me play lacrosse. I actually asked him and he said, Nope, you're a baseball player. That's what, that's it. So I, that yeah. dream died pretty quick, but you know, it, in the end it all worked out. So you, you had a lot of people obviously you had, um, you know, people that you idolized, uh, you followed Toronto Blue Jays obviously was your team. Right. And yep. um, just, Honestly, to find out, uh, I don't know if it's true. You a Boston Bruins fan or what? What's the story there? The Vancouver <laughs> I Canucks. I was like trying to figure out how that all went down. It didn't make any sense at all growing <laughs> up in Vancouver and being a Boston Bruins fan. But my cousin, uh, who's three or four years older than me, loved Bobby Orr. And I looked yeah. up to him. You know, he was one of those, you know, you get that older cousin and, and you yeah. kind of idolize him a little bit. And then he told me that I was a Bruins fan from the time I was probably you know, five years old and, and the Canucks weren't very good when I was young. You know, they didn't go on a run, Stanley cup run. They went 82, but they lost. I was only one. And then they went on a run in 94. But when I was starting to like my hockey teams, you know, when I was, the Bruins were the team and Andy Moog, they had this goalie who was from, you know, a couple hours from my hometown. He was my guy. I wore a Boston Bruins Jersey. I was kind of like happy Gilmore. I wore this Boston Bruins Jersey everywhere I went yeah. <laughs> until, until the sleeves were halfway up my arm. It was too small. So it's, yeah. uh, and then you, then you end up cutting the sleeves just and basically ends up being a cutoff. We <laughs> <laughs> wear that thing to, to the last days. Oh, I actually gave it to a friend. He said he still has it. So it's <laughs> one of those things. Right, yeah, you got you to sign that thing. It's a memento now. Sure. <laughs> I put it up on the wall. Yeah, it's about this big, but yeah. So that's it's a weird thing yeah. to, to see that. Yeah. But, you know, hockey night in Canada, and and I think it had to do with the Bruins were playing the Oilers in the Stanley Cup Finals and and all that kind of stuff too. So it, yeah, it was. I'm telling you, I didn't I didn't miss Saturday night hockey and growing up. Yeah. Hey, Justin, we're gonna jump forward here with this Hall of Fame ballad. First of all, congratulations, man. We we're talking about this in the last episode. Talking about the Hall of Fame, obviously David Ortiz, the guys who didn't get in. Then we're going through the ballot, and and uh, it's one of these things because it's so funny. And you're not active on social media, right? I mean, you're you're not you're not into it. I can totally see that. That's why I was kind of surprised about you jumping on TV. I'm not going to lie. I want to jump. I want to get to that in a second. But how do you find out? Like, does someone call you and say, "Hey, listen, you're on the ballot"? Like, how does that all go down from the beginning when you find out you're on the ballot? That's a good question. I knew I was eligible this year. I think the requirements, you know, you have to be in the league for at least 10 years. So you have to have that to even qualify for the ballot. And I was under the assumption that if you played 10 years, you automatically went on the ballot. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really surprised to see it on there. And then somebody from the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame sent me a message and said, no, it's not automatic. They actually choose who's going to be represented on the ballot. So once I heard that, I thought that was a pretty cool thing. And then, and then really, honestly, I was just hoping for one vote. I was hoping one person was going to vote and, and, and then I could say that and actually ended up with five. So I was, 
I got five uh, phone calls to make and, and bottles of wine to send out. But uh, yeah, that was. Uh, do you know who? Do you know who the? Do you know who they are? Do you know who voted? It gets Can't released pretty soon. I think. I think if the people who clear to to get released, uh, it's two weeks after the vote happens. I think when those right. names come out, for the people who want their votes to be known. So, I don't know. It's. Uh, I was surprised to see that, and you know, people will think I'm being whether sarcastic or anything else. I, I was genuinely happy that I got five oh, yeah. votes because yeah. I don't, I don't consider myself a, a national baseball hall of famer. I didn't have a long enough career. I wasn't successful for long enough. There was a, a pretty good short run in there for, for four or five years, but the guys who are hall of famers do that for 14 or 15 or, or 18 years. And then I just didn't qualify. And, and the yeah. fact that I'm there, it was <clears> just an honor to be, to be with those guys, you know? Yeah. We talked, we talked about how hard it is to get on there. we talked about Joe Nathan and I saw Joe Nathan 4.3%. And then I made it, we talked about it last week, uh, and I, I brought it up. I said, Marion Rivera, obviously, without a doubt, greatest closer of all time, 100%, he's in. But then I look at Joe Nathan, I think, how does he get 4.3%? Man, this guy is way better than that. And obviously, I might be a little biased. You know, I looked up to the guy, played with him and, and whatnot, but just – uh, I just think he, he should still be on that ballot. I really do. That's my personal opinion. Um, so a little bit upset to see that he's going to drop off. Um, I agree with you there. Him and Johan yeah. Santana, I mean, the two two of the best yeah. pitchers I ever played with. And, and you look at Joe yeah. Nathan's run, 10-year run, Mariano Rivera was the only pitcher that was better than him. Yeah. If he's 100%, he wasn't he – At was least give me 50. He wasn't, he, wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't 96% better than Joe Nathan. You know what I mean? He wasn't yeah. – no. There's no and way. And the other one is, is Wagner's numbers, you know, look at Wagner. And yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with the market too. You know, Wagner electric closer, but pitched in New York and, and there are a lot more life, you know, eyes on those guys, Sunday night baseball and all the rest of that stuff. So yeah, I think, I think Joe eventually will get in on one of the veterans ballots. I think uh, him and Johan, even if they weren't obviously first ballot hall of famers, but, I think they'd like you deserve to at least stay on and for people to have a little more time to look at their numbers and consider how great yeah. they were, because I mean, he was incredible for, for a long time. It's not like, yeah. like I said, I had a couple of good years, but it, he had a lot of good years. I mean, he was running yeah. them off end of the game, never lost his closers role. The only thing that ever stopped him from pitching is it was when he was hurt and he had Tommy John. But other than that, I mean, you trusted yeah. him at the end of the game. It was, it was easy, easy decision for Guardy to walk out there and go. Oh yeah. Nathan. <laughs> yeah, that makes uh, makes for an easy day at the yard when you got guys like that in uh, in the bullpen for sure. Just to yeah. you know, close the door for you, one hundred percent guarantee. There's so many guys like that. Yeah, you know, Justin, you mentioned the market they're in. Like guys like Joe Nathan. I mean, yeah, Billy. Everyone knew who Billy Wagner was. Lefty, this tall and freaking just for absolute gas. So it's kind of like that kind of stood out. Yeah. But guys like Joe Nathan, and you mentioned the market too. There are so many guys, and you always said. You know, I pop up on social media when I'm, you know, zombie scrolling through a bunch of, you know, crap on social. They're like, oh, who are the guys who are the the best players that that everyone's forgotten about? You know what I'm saying? And it's funny, Joe Nathan's name actually comes up. I'm looking at something I'm like, damn, yeah, that guy was a stud. That guy was awesome. That guy was a dude. Speaking of that, yeah. Joe, you think, and real quick on this, with the Hall of Fame, the way it works with, you know, the riders and everything, and you probably got a little bit of an education, obviously, because you're on the ballot. So you're like, oh, yeah, okay, how does this work? What's the next step? Everything else. Do you think that system, do you think they need to, to adjust that? Or do you think it's fine the way it is with the, the, the riders getting the, that one, that chance basically to dictate who goes in the hall of fame? Actually, I've talked about this quite a lot the last couple of weeks, but just with, you know, random people that 
you know, want to discuss baseball in the, in the middle of January, but on the in early February, yeah, it's just one of those things where <clears throat> we are trying to find out, find out a way to have, to let players have a little more influence. Cause you know, when you're on the field and you look across and you know that there's somebody that stands out you look out and, and you just can't take your eyes off. Like today, when you're playing against Trout, yeah. you know, if you're a young player and you're smart, you're going to sit there and get out there early and watch his batting practice. And you're going to watch him prepare, or you're going to watch him take fly balls in the outfit. You're going to watch him go about his business and see what makes him great. Right. And when you're on the yep. field, you can look across and you go, Oh, there's Poppy. He stands yep. up, you know, there, there's, there's Ortiz. He's, he's one of those guys. He's, he's a stud. He does something a little bit better than the rest of us. We're all at this level. And you know, when you're on that field of who's at this next level, which is the hall of fame level. And yeah. you know, same thing, Jeter, you can't take your eyes off Jeter when you're on the field playing against him. I mean, you knew when he was in the ballpark, you knew what he was doing. You watched him prepare if you were smart and, and you tried to learn from him. And I think to have the players have a little more influence, whether, you know, whether it's guys who have played 10 years or whether it was guys who all the living hall of famers have a vote or something like that to, to, yeah. to skew it a little bit more. So there's some influence from the guys who took the field against those guys. And I know that hall, hall was established by the writers, but if the writers had a, a 60 or 70%, you know, outweighed vote and the players kind of said, Hey, listen, these are the guys we think are hall of famers. You know, these are the guys we played against. We knew when we were competing against them that it was going to take our best to beat that guy. And, and he could beat him by, by himself, beat us by himself on any given day. Yeah. That's a yeah. great point, man. And that also goes into, and there's obviously with, you know, all-star voting, I know the players do get a chance to have their sort of say in it, but I mean, the fact that, I mean, you won an MVP 2006, but you won an all-star that year. Grant, you mentioned there's a reason why that happened. Things I mean, like I mean, I think just personally, and I think maybe Justin knows, it was, I think he had a slower start to that year. Right. And as you know, it's, it's the all-star, you get it, you get off to a hot start, you're an all-star, and then who knows? I think he had a slower start to that season. And then to his credit, I mean, he just blew up and should have been an all-star uh, you want to call it, they didn't have, I don't think postseason all-stars back then, but yeah, yeah. I mean, he obviously just blew up has an, an unbelievable year. You know, we rattle off the numbers 2006, what 321, 34 and 130. So, you know, yeah, what, what else do you want, mate? That, a, that rings a uh, slow start with, with those numbers. I'm just trying to look here. It was a bad start. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. It was, I was hitting 230, I think in June. Damn. So that was, I mean, that was as locked in as I ever was for an extended period of time. You know, I had stretches a week or two, but that was like four months of every day going to the park, you know, waking up, not can't wait to get there because something good is going to happen tonight. It was one of those yeah. things where got a little trouble in Seattle that year, made a little too much noise in the hotel, got to pay for the entire floor of hotel rooms. So I was a little bit, uh, I'd say lack focus would be the best way to put it. And then uh, oh, what, happened, what happened in Seattle? What's going on there? Well, I grew up so close to Seattle that, uh, you know, my friends would all come you know, there'd be 40, 50, you know, sometimes 150 people would come down and just make that, you know, two hour drive down. Yeah. And then I always felt like this obligation of people are coming to see me. I should go see them as opposed yeah. to they're coming to see me because I'm on the field. And I, I felt like I needed to spend time or a little bit of time with everybody. And the easiest way to spend time with that many people is to go to a bar and, and you know, we got after a little bit and then, and then because, you know, in the big leagues, you get your own room. So, all right, boys, come up to my room. And all of a sudden, uh, I, I got this printout. I, so I got in trouble that night and then I get this printout from the next day of all the calls to security. And this thing was like a page and a half long. And it was like noise complaint, <laughs> 1231, noise complaint, 130, noise complaint. And the security coming up to the door, knocking on the door. Hey, we're getting complaints. You need to keep it down. 
I think the last one was at like 4.30 in the morning or something stupid like that with a game the next day. And so I show up to the ballpark. Guardy calls me in his office. General manager's in there. Traveling secretary's in there. Guardy's in there. And I thought for sure I was getting sent down. I mean, I was, I was oh, hitting man. 2.30. I was not doing what I was supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden, I got benched that day. And that, to me, was the wake-up call. I, I felt like wow. I had a second life. I didn't get sent down. You know, I'd been sent down before, you know, I'd been up and down for a couple of years before that 2005 wasn't exactly a good year. So I feel like I got this second life and then the embarrassment of, of being benched in front of all these people who drove down to see me and I'm getting text messages. What's going on? Why aren't you playing? And, and yeah. you know, I just, that was it. And I took it to heart and, and, and then took it a lot more serious after that. And then, and then started to really work on some things where I was struggling at the plate and it just kind of clicked and, and, the rest of the year was just magical. I mean, for everyone, I mean, Joe won batting title that year. Johan won Cy Young. Tori won a gold glove. I mean, the team we had and the fun we had, I mean, we, I think we played like 700 baseball the rest of the way. And it was just, it was one of those, those years where you look back and you wish every year could be like that. Cause it was so much fun as far as a team and, and personal standpoint, but yeah, that's the way it was. It was a special year. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so every by the way, early in the year, you got to invite your 150 Canadian buddies out to a hotel room and blow it up, and then then you're gonna go off to do big things because you were hitting you were hitting I think 208 you were hitting 208 in April, and then you end up hitting 410 in July. So you just fly. When when was the whole thing in Seattle? What month was that? That was uh, June. I think it was early June. It was either late May or early June. I think it was so early you were struggling. June. You were struggling all the way into June, basically. Damn, dude. And you put up the, that's insane when you look at turns these around and, and wins the MVP. You talked about Jeter earlier. Well, you, you, you actually beat him out that year for, for the MVP. So uh, you must have been doing too bad, mate. But um, yeah, I mean, you've, you've obviously, you've obviously uh, done some great things throughout your career. Not only did you, you win the MVP, but you went on with some great years and some playoffs uh, there with the, with the twins. And then obviously, you know, a couple silver sluggers, you went on and uh, got traded to the pirates. Obviously from there, you signed a two year deal with the Rockies. Now you go over to the Rockies. What, uh, what can you tell me about that? Another batting title over there, mate, with the Rockies. Obviously uh, you enjoy that cold weather, mate. The Rockies. (laughs) another year where I didn't make the all-star game either. It's kind of funny. The two, oh, yeah. you know, you're the one, the MVP didn't play in the all-star game. You're one batting title didn't play in the all-star game. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind that of is. funny the way that worked, but you know, <clears throat> Colorado is one of those places. I cut a, I don't know if he gets mad when I said it or not. Mike could I, or, yeah, I've kind of followed him there. And I told him, I said, if Cuddy can win a batting title, I can do it. So <laughs> I, uh, I remember that. I remember seeing he, he won one and I was like, I'm pretty sure Justin won one there too. So I'm like, man, <laughs> no, <laughs> back that, to back. It's just a good place to hit. And I think a lot gets yeah. made about the elevation of all traveling and all the rest of it. For me, the field is so big that it just got me back to being a complete hitter. You know, I, I went back to using the whole field and then the yeah. batting average started to follow. And, and it was one of those things where I know batting average is a, a stat that a lot of people kind of overlook or, or, you know, don't find as important. But if your batting average is higher, your um, base percentage is ju- going to jump higher. You, sl- you know, all that stuff, it, it's going to, add to those numbers so there is something to be said about getting the most hits or, or leading yeah. the league in, in anything really in the major leagues where you're playing against the best in the world but I don't know it was one of those places I, I was a Larry Walker you know 40 minutes from my area growing up he was kind of our hero he was our guy that let us know that we could do it you know as Canadians yeah. and, and and then I got to go there and I got to play there and, and wear his number that was retired last year so it, it's it was a special yeah. thing and to go there with a bunch of young guys you know I got to play there 
and Nolan Arenado was early in his career. DJ LeMayhew early in his career. I mean, we had, we had some studs there yeah. and I was in a different role, different time in my career. And I enjoyed it. Obviously would have liked to have won more, but it was one of those things where you feel like you can have an impact on these young guys. And then I, you know, still keep in touch with them and get to watch them play. But yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed Denver. It's a, it's a great city. So it was fun. And, and uh, it was nice to be able to, to get back to a certain level again, too. Justin, you touched on something, dude, being a complete hitter. Now, you obviously, you got done 2016 was your last year. And the game's obviously changed since, you know, your time, obviously, from 03 to 2016. The way the approach to hitting has completely changed. And again, back to social media, if you ever dive into it, there are some gurus, man, on social media, guys who have never sniffed the big leagues, who are just have all the answers. And hitting's completely different. So you, are, you still are you still doing the instructing with the Twins? spring training yeah, still still doing the yeah still doing the special assistance still make a couple trips down there spring training and, and there's a lot of the data a lot of the stuff that i found useful a lot of stuff that i searched out on my own you know in the second half of my career you know as far as approach goes and, and how i can use certain numbers to kind of help me try and have a little more success so i'm not a guy who's opposed <laughs> to that stuff by any means yeah i just think we have so many smart people that can break down numbers and we've kind of diminished what it means to have experience and to have stood in the batter's box and faced Mariano Rivera in the playoffs or to have, mm -hmm. you know, played in an all-star game or competed in, in, you know, the, in the playoffs in, in St. Louis in a, in a game five facing Adam Wainwright or whatever it is. I feel like a lot of that stuff mm -hmm. has been kind of knocked down as far as, well, you didn't go to Harvard, so you don't know what I know. And I'm, I'm going, well, you know, 14 years of experience in the big leagues will, will kind of, teach you some lessons too. You yeah. don't stick around if you, if you don't figure things out, you can't survive that long on talent alone. So, I mean, I, I feel like the, my job or my role that I try and have with the young players is the mental side of it. What it's like when you're struggling, how do you get out of a slump? What do you do drill wise? It gets you back to where you want to be. And, and, you know, I was a guy as a, as a player who asked questions. I love the fact that I got to play with Jim Tomey. I love the fact that I got to talk hitting with Harmon Killebrew and, and just pick guys brains. And I think, you can learn as much or more from that as you can from looking at a sheet that says this guy's going to throw this pitch in this count yeah. and this is going to look like yeah. this. And we break down your swing on video. I think you can teach a lot of people to break down swings yeah. on video. And, and, and that to me, I don't feel like in today's game, we're, we're tapping into that resource enough. I don't, I don't feel like there's enough veteran guys around that have played that, that we look at and go, I mean, you know what it's like to close a game in the ninth inning and, and to face that pressure of, of 40,000 people screaming at you, hoping you fail and, and to pass yeah. that along to, you know, to young pitchers or whatever it is. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, that we could help young players. And I think that's part of what we're seeing a younger league, less experience, and then less guys around. And this isn't a knock on the guys who are there. The, yeah. the guys who are there are good, but it's just the fact that I feel like the importance yeah. or, or the, the credibility of the guys who played has kind of been diminished a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you, man. I, I yeah, see it everywhere. And yeah, good friend of mine's with the twins, Alex Hassan, you know, the farm director who I uh, know really well, but we talk about it all the time. I and mean, he's obviously played, but you know, the twins, the twins try and have that. And you can obviously tell me differently, but they, they obviously try and have that balance. But the fact that when, you know, when I knew that you were doing the, the instruction stuff, especially getting around those young players, it's just, I find too, I work with, you know, high school kids and kids who are into college and stuff. Obviously, it's a, it's a generational thing, but sometimes it's like, guys, like, have some feel, man. It's okay to have some feel. Yeah. Don't, it's pitching wise, I've got the rap solo out. Bing, they throw a pitch and they quickly turn around. This is on every level and check the iPad screen. It's like, no, no, no. If, if, if you feel like it feels, it feels good and then it come, ball comes out good and you can visually see it, 
That's all you need, yeah. man. Like, well, so it, I it, guess, I mean, the fact that the, you're doing that with the, with the twin, I just, you just hope that those kids are in a ball or whatever level you work with. Hopefully they're just taking all that in, man. Well, see that to me, that stuff is useful, right? Yeah. As a, as a tool, as a, as a post look back at how I did, but when you're on the mound, you're, you're in the middle of the game competing. You don't have that chance. It, it has to be feel, you know, it has to, what that ball feel like coming out of my hand. How do I repeat that? Because you don't have that crutch when you're in the middle of a game in a pressure yeah. situation. You know, you got the bases loaded, nobody out, and you're not thinking about your spin or how that ball come out of your hand, what the right. you know, what the release, all that stuff. It's 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 irrelevant at that time. Your only job is to get people out, right? And and as a hitter, see, like it's it's funny because and we talked about this before we came on, but I've become obsessed with golf. And at the, the place I go to, I hit and I have the track man there. And every swing I take, I'm looking at how the you know, the face of my club come through, how did, what was the launch angle and all that stuff. And, and and then all of a sudden I get out on the course and I start playing like I do hitting the ball all over the place. And I don't know how to correct it because when my, when I'm practicing every swing I take, I have this feedback and I have this way of of correcting it as opposed to, you said feel, I mean, that's what I went on as a hitter is I know that swing was wrong because of where I hit it and, and, you know, where it broke down. I didn't need any feedback. And I think that's kind of the danger of, of having this in every cage and every yeah. swing you take. And there is some use for it. But if you never practice or train the way you play in the game, then you're going to struggle because you don't know how to get out yeah. of it on your own. You're in the middle of an at-bat and you take a swing. And whatever happened in the swing, you should immediately know what went wrong or you know what it was. And, and if you don't have that, the numbers to look at in the iPad or whatever it is and go, yeah. oh, that's where it broke down. Or to replay your swing 30 times, you should be able to immediately – Boom. That's what I did wrong. Front side, whatever it was, whatever, right. whatever mechanically yeah. broke down, you should have that feel. And I think that's the danger of all this, every swing being, or every swing or every throw being tracked. Do you, do you yeah. like the game t- the way it is today? It's obviously changed. And obviously you go back, you know, 15 years, it's changed from what it, what it was five years ago. But now it's one of these things that no one cares about swings and misses, right? It's all about, it's, it's really about power numbers. You know, obviously on base percentage is a big deal, but, but running and being a complete hitter, do you, do you like the game today? Or is there anything you'd like to see slowly sort of trickle back in to make the game a little bit more com- complete or even for fans to make it exciting, more exciting? I, I talk about this a lot. And I, I, this is kind of what I was hoping was going to be solved during this lockout or they were going to figure out a way to make it a little bit better. I love the game of baseball, but four hour games are too long. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's hard to watch even for someone who is obsessed <laughs> with a game like I am. Yeah. It's one of those things where we need more action. We need the ball to put in play. And to me, the answer isn't to fault the players because I remember when I was coming up, all I was told was as a middle of the order hitter, RBIs, your job in the middle of the order is yeah. to drive in runs. And that's been diminished in today's game. But in the end, the team that scores the most runs wins. So how yeah. can you find the ways? But I also understand it from the player's side. If you hit a ball on the ground and there's three guys standing where you're going to hit it, I mean, it's the definition of insanity. You're doing the same thing over and over and trying to expect different result, right? So, yeah. so what's the answer to that? Hit the ball in the air. And the other, you know, the other thing people say, well, just hit the ball the other way. But if every reliever your facer is throwing 95 to 100, it's yeah. a little harder to manipulate yeah. that ball and flip it the other way. So, yeah. I don't know. I'd like to see the shifts banned. I think mm-hmm. if you went two infielders each side of second base, feet on the dirt, and then you're encouraging yeah. guys to just make contact. If you're encouraged to make contact and it's an out you may as well take a better swing and see if you can produce a run so i understand the way the game the game is today and i think the pitch clock to me i would have hated it as a player but i would have got used to it 
And I think the number now is, is somewhere over 70%. And I think it's probably even higher of guys who have played with pitch clock in the minor league. So it's yeah. not like it's going to be foreign yeah. to them when they come up to the big leagues. Yeah. And maybe you just grandfather the Nelson Cruz of the world in, the guys who played before it. Maybe you just let them and, and in three or four years, everybody will have played with that pitch clock and the pace of the game will pick up. And, and maybe pitchers aren't able to throw max effort because they're a little more tired. They only have yeah. 15 seconds to recover instead of 40. And, and, yeah. and then they're not throwing max effort. Then maybe we get a little more uh, feel back in the game. And yeah. that's just a couple of them that I've come up with. But Alpha, you, you would struggle I mean, with that pitch clock, buddy, especially with runners on mate, base. Oh, oh. Mate, I'll, put, I'll, I'll put you to sleep. Oh. I try to put the hitters to sleep. I was, I was hoping they'd fall asleep. So I just throw one right by him. That was the, that was the mentality behind that. And uh, yelling, yelling at yourself. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. <laughs> he was. Well, I mean, we got, we're talking. We're talking about all these other things. We're talking about a robo. We're talking about robo umpires now. I mean, mate, it, it's a lot for me to take in as well as a, as an old player. I mean, that, that, there's a lot of there's a lot of things changing in the game that has changed in the last five to seven years. You know, since we both retired. I think change is good, but it's sometimes too much change. I think can be too much as well. You know. I think the question that we need to ask, though, is, is, is the game better today with everything we've brought into it, with all the yeah. analytics, with all the data, all everything that has happened, is the game better to watch? And I think that's the question that nobody's really asking. They're, they're trying to find a way to be the most successful, which give everybody credit. That's, that's what you want to do. If you want to win, you want to find an edge. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. today, everyone has the same edge. Everyone has the same data. Everyone has the spin rate data that you want to break yeah. the ball and a fastball. That all, the, all the numbers that they look at to, to say – can we find a diamond in the rough here? But where championships are won to me is, is on the fringes on the, if, if everything you're doing is for a 70, we'll just call it 70% probability of success, right? So yeah. seven out of 10 times, this is going to work. Well, to me, the championships are made on, on who can figure out what to do in that 30%. Who's, who can figure out an edge or a way and, and to win when you don't have your best or when the, when the outcome mm -hmm. is less likely. And I, I think that's part of the game that, if everyone's doing the same thing, we were kind of watching this, no matter what game you tune into, it's this guy's at 85 pitches. We're going to take him out of the game, even though he's throwing a shutout and we're going to bring in this reliever yeah. and, and every game yeah. you tune into, you're not really seeing a, a I think the will is what people enjoy. I think right. I, I look back and, and I mean, you guys probably maybe a little bit before, but the Jack Morris, John Smoltz game, game seven, 1991 world series, right? Two guys go they pitch deep and Jack pitches into the 10th inning. And it's still one of the greatest baseball games in history. Would yeah. we have been robbed of that game today because of third time through the order, because of his spin rates declining because of, you know, all the other things, the ways they, they measure it now. Yeah. And I think that's why people tune in to watch sports is to see people do extraordinary things. And I'm not saying yeah. that needs to happen every sure. game, but there has to be a chance for a guy to go out out there and punch out 15 in eight innings or a guy to throw a shutout and you're right that that's something that would not it wouldn't happen today because you said because there's so much stuff behind the scenes going on where it's all of a sudden oh you know this is the client that we have to do this the percentages that, that's such a good point and the other thing you said too when you watch these teams who win the world series every year in year out there is those mixes of veteran players guys who have been there guys who can play at a different level when, when all of a sudden, you know, the, the, things are on the line or it comes down to it or it's experience-based, all those things. I, that's, I, I, never, I never thought of it that way whatsoever. I mean, John Morosi, he, he was on a couple of weeks ago. He talked about, you know, the, the Nationals. And you look at the, the age, the average age of their roster when they won the World Series. It was way older because there's guys who'd been around and they understood certain situations. 
I think the Braves last year too, a good example, yeah. you know, yeah. <clears throat> a team, I, I mean, it kind of starts with, with the coaching staff for me too. I mean, you look at how many ex-managers they had on that team. I mean, Walt Weiss, who I played for in Colorado. I mean, you, you had all these voices of, of baseball people who've been in the game for 30 years, guys who won world series as players, guys who have been around and, you know, it's, it's, there's something to be said about having that experience and having, and just having that ability to not panic in those moments where, yeah. you know, you've, you've been there before. It's not a surprise. You know, you know what to expect. And I think, I think there's something to be said for that too. And then they brought in veteran guys. You look at Eddie Rosario had been in the league for six years. I mean, these additions they made at the trade deadline and everything else, they didn't bring in, they didn't call up rookies. They didn't say, all right, you're, you're, you're getting thrown into the mix here. They said, we're going to go with what we know is going to, you know, work and guys who are tested and, and, understand pressure situations and they ended up winning world series after that. So it's easy to make the Tampa argument and they've been very successful yeah. as an organization. They've done it. And then obviously real close to winning a world series and all the rest of it. But so far that hasn't worked all the way. And, and a lot of teams have copied a lot of teams have mimicked it. A lot of teams have, have looked at that model and said, this is what we need to do to be successful. And I'm not knocking their success. Yeah. They've been very successful in, a, in the hardest division to play in baseball. They found a way to win there. You know, they, they've done a good job and, and they've found a way to get the most out of their players by rotating lineups and, and rotating relievers and everything else. But I also look at that and I go, is that the best thing for the game of baseball? Why now? Number one, their stadium is not very good, but why don't they draw? Because every time you buy a Jersey of someone who's on that team, you show up to the ballpark and then there's a chance he might not be there the next week. And, and I think that's, what's right. bad for the game. That part of it, like I, I get under, yeah. I get why they do what they do, but there's no connection to the fan. There's no connection to the player. It's all to the teams. And, and why do people love George Brett in Kansas city, you know, played his whole career. Why do people love Joe Maurer in Minnesota? Why is Jeter, you know, Jeter was Jeter because he was Jeter, but he also, if he yeah. had gone from the Yankees six years and then gone and played for the Mets for three and played for the Red Sox for four and, would we, would he be looked at the same way? Would he have the same connection to that franchise? And would the fans have the same connection to him? I don't know. Bryce Harper leaving Washington and going to Philly. And yes, he's a terrific player, but I mean, that's an in-division rival. And does that hurt the Washington franchise? And obviously Philly's happy to have him. but I think this, with all this player movement and everything else, the fans are the ones who get hurt when all these decisions come down. I definitely agree with you there. I mean, it's, there's no one, there's not too many people playing in, you know, in the same club anymore for 10 years. It's just not there. It's just kind of something that slowly faded away. And it's a shame. Um, You know, like you said that so, so called uh, we don't have the money possibly or whatever it is. I don't really know. I, I think there's a lot of money in this game. I think, there could be more money to be spent. You know, living down here in Tampa, I see it all the time. I, I follow them. I watch the games. But, yeah, year in, year out, you just don't know who's going to be on the field. They do have a great team. They do do things the right way. But there's that – I don't know. It's just it's just something about it. To, to, to turn the TV on, I know you got that guy for you. I mean, I know they just went out and spent a lot of money on one guy. I gave him a 12-year deal. But that's, that's very rare. You know, that, it doesn't yeah. happen very often. But uh, – I totally agree with you. The fan base have to be connected to these players and they can't when it's year in, year out, changing, changing the team. So there's, there's definitely a lot in this game that has changed. And maybe I hope after this bargaining agreement, the game will be better. Um, I still think, you know, there's things that you are, you and I, all of us are probably going to sit here and say, oh, I wish it was this way. I wish it was that way. And I think part of it too is, 
guys that grew up in a, in a certain era, they, they just remember it being that way. We remember it being this way. <laughs> and then the guys now remember it being this way. So as we know in life, I think change can be hard sometimes, but definitely you, you made a great point. No matter what area you're in, sitting here watching the game today, is it a better game to watch? And are we getting the fans to watch yeah. the game? Because we all know, and it's a business, right? It's about money. It's about bringing in the fans. It's about making money. Obviously, the, the love of the game, people love the game. But like you say, you can't sit up for four hours and, and watch a game. It's just, it just doesn't work, you know? Yeah, you got five kids, fixed. mate. You, you got to get up in the morning. I know you, like you said, <laughs> you, uh, you're putting on, tying a lot of shoes. And um, I think you're out of the diaper stage, but you, you're tying a lot of shoes and, and getting the kids' lunches ready, I'm sure, right? Up, hockey skates, man. Yeah, hopefully everyone does. Uh, the big takeaway is that we're just sitting here bashing today's game and then saying how yeah. bad it is. Because the one thing I do know is that there's better athletes playing the game now than there ever has been. I mean, guys that can you can start yeah. a guy at short and then move him to center field and then play him at left the next day, play him at second, yeah. move him all around yeah. the field in shifts. I mean, you've got you got Otani doing what he's doing. I mean, you've got multiple guys now. He's opened the door for guys who can pitch and, and hit and. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I just don't know if we're getting the most out of those athletes. And, and I think the game is good. There's terrific athletes. There's a lot of positives. And I think we just need to find a way to, to bring those about in a, in a better way than just static and three guys on the field. You, you're losing the athleticism of, of, you know, the guys that short, you know, my favorite guy to watch right now is Byron Buxton play center field because he can run and he has the freedom and his athleticism is on display. You know, you get a guy like, Andrew Simmons or, or, you know, guys that, you know, these defensive specialists and all of a sudden you put them in a shift and their range is 10 feet either way, as opposed to watching a guy go up the middle and make a terrific play. And there's already somebody standing there. It's a routine play. So we've managed to turn in yeah. some of these highlight reel plays into just routine things. And you're taking some of the, you know, the athleticism and, and what, you know, draws your eyes to these athletes. And I think we yeah. need to find a way to get that, that part, you know, highlighted a little bit more in the game of baseball. Yeah, and, and yeah. look, I'll admit, I'm, I'm fascinated by the analytics too. Like, I'm still constantly learning and everything else, especially like, you know, with pitching development. I mean, everyone throws gas now. It's ridiculous. Some of these kids, I see these high school kids, I'm like, oh, man, even here in Seattle, I, I can't. Some of the kids I work with, it's crazy. And you're like, oh, I wish I had access to this kind of stuff. But on the flip side, the, the psychological side of it too, sometimes I'm just like, guys, get away from that just for a second and get some sort of, just compete just a little bit little bit more of that just ha ha compete off that field and you'd be good to go. Speaking of that, Justin, I was, I was surprised when, because I didn't know you. I mean, obviously speaking to you now, you have such a good take on the game. And you know what, your, obviously your playing career speaks for itself, but you are very outspoken about a lot of this stuff. Transitioning into broadcasting, I, again, I, and the reason I'm saying I was surprised is because you know, I feel like now, you know, you've got to be on social media. you got to be have these crazy, like, you know, hot takes on everything or, or whatever to grab people's attention. But when you, how did all that go on for you? And was that something that you wanted to do once you started wrapping up your career and you're like, oh, I'm going to go do TV, wear suits? No, I'm trying to think of where we were. And somebody asked, I don't know, maybe it was at the Twins Day when a bunch of you guys were together. And, and somebody said, of all the people in this room, who, who do you think, who do you think would be talking on TV today? And everyone, everyone looked at me and just said, not that guy. So yeah, right. it, was one, of, it yeah. was one of those things where it's just, I was always quiet, you know, I was always one of those guys, but I was always trying to take things in, you know, I was always trying to learn. I was always trying to, you know, I go home after we get done and be in, in the central time zone, I get to watch the end of the West coast games. And, and I, 
sit there and, and just listen to what they were saying. It was like I had this this dialogue between the the broadcaster and the, and the color guy, and I was just sitting there. My it would drive my wife crazy because I'd and I disagree with them on TV. And I think that's what makes a good broadcaster is, is they raise a point, and, and yeah. if you're, you're kind of engaged with what they're saying, and, and wife looked at me and she finally just said you know, maybe you should just go do that job so you can find somebody that wants to listen to you. So <laughs> apparently she just got tired of hearing what I had to say. But, you know, I saw it. I think I saw, you know, when they started doing all the pregame and the postgame shows and you see former players on there and guys who are still playing yeah. in a suit talking about a World Series game. And I, I'm looking at it going, I think I could do that. I don't know. It's not, you know, I'm uh, speaking in front of, you know, even a room of 500 people makes me nervous. But yeah. for some reason... Right. sitting next to Dick Bramer and, and just having a, it's like, we're having a conversation. Yes. It's going out to however many people are watching, but I don't see it that way. I just see it as me and him talking baseball, watching a game and kind of giving our, our take and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So I jumped in and, and just kind of started doing it and, and then it felt good. And I, I actually really enjoyed it. It was one of those things where I'm going, am I going to want to sit there and be that guy out there talking and, and, and then all of a sudden it started to happen. I went, you know what? I want to do a little more of this. And and, yeah. and then we started adding in games and, and obviously still trying to continue to improve and, and everything else. But it's it gives me a chance to be around the game yeah. with how many kids I have and with how the ages and everything else. I don't want to coach at this point. I don't want to spend six weeks in spring training and then 180, you know, 90 days on the road. And so this gives me a chance to kind of be involved, be around the game, and then a, a different way for me to teach, you know, to I learned a lot from watching Blue Jays games growing up and, and just listening to what they were saying, you know, this guy's doing this in the batter's box, all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of how I see my role when I do it is I imagine myself being, you know, 15 or 16 years old coming home from school and, and watching baseball on TV. And, and that's kind of my goal is to, is to talk to that kid of, of everything they're being told. And then I can kind of get my yeah. take on it. And, and that's sort of the way I look at it. And I think that's helped me a little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah I, the reason great. I'm asking, I do that up here with the Mariners <clears throat> on, on Root Sports. I do the pre and post game show and I jump in the booth. But you jump, sometimes I jump in the booth, I rehearse everything I want to say and I write all these notes. And then I realize, boom, like you're watching the game at home and they're talking, so you're listening. So it's <clears> easy to sort of go back and forth. But then you sit there like, oh shit, no one's talking here because I'm the dude who's supposed to be talking over this freaking game. And then it's like, man, <laughs> you, you want to dive in and make this big opinion. But it's like, you got to sort of have that balancing act where, yeah, everyone, everyone, I love what listening to John Smoltz. Grant and I have talked about it. I think it's great, man. And I just yeah. love it because of the fact that, yeah. dude, look at the career he's had. Like, and he is opinionated and he does have like that, that more of a, no, this is kind of how it is mentality because it's good to listen to. But sometimes like, I feel like it's that thing where, especially, and that's why I was asking with the, the game today, you don't want to sound like, oh, back in my day, you know, or, yeah. or any of this stuff. It's a hard thing to do. It's hard. Yeah, yeah it is hard. <clears throat> Big time. It's a hard balance. Well, I think the other thing we have to remember too is nobody wants to tune into a game and just listen to someone complain about it the whole time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we're trying. I spend a lot of time trying to be positive and trying to highlight the yeah. positive things. And then if there's something I see that could be done differently, I don't just point it out because anybody can do that. I try and point it out and then explain maybe what could have been done differently or what went wrong or maybe what he was yeah. thinking. And obviously, we're never going to know that. But you know, I, I think it's. <clears throat> Nobody wants to tune in here. Hey, kids, get off my lawn, you know, type yeah, stuff. So it's, yeah. I mean, every player, as you said, I think, Belfi, I think you said this before. Every player who played thinks their generation's game was better than the, the game they're watching today, you know? And it's, yeah. it's hard to, that's why I said we got to find positives. We got to highlight these guys are terrific athletes. I mean, guys running down the line sure. can fly. There's more guys that have, you know, plus plus speed going down the line. There's more guys that have, you know, all these other things. So it's, 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 
it's a hard thing to sit there and see a bonehead play happen and not just to call it a stupid play as opposed to go, well, well, this is what happened. Yes, it wasn't not a very good play, but here's maybe what he could have done differently, or here's what led to this mistake. Yeah, and, yeah. and and I think yeah. that's the, the the challenge of 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 doing it, and then trying to make it not sound the same every single time. And you know, right. 162 games, a lot of games, and there's a lot of things that yeah. happen the same. And, and to try and find a new way to describe them, I think that's a challenge too. Yeah. Hey, one more thing on that, Grant. I know you want to see and talk talk about this all day, but um, CJ Nikowski, he works with the. Um, with the Texas Rangers. And I said, dude, like, cause the Mariners are starting to do this, like starting to dive, you know, and you don't want to sound like you're criticizing players. You're a player, essentially you work for the team, but you want to make sure you give a, the right opinion. You don't want to just be, you know, guy gives up a five spot and go, Oh yeah, he just missed with one pitch. No, no. Like if no one wants to hear that either, but he made, he made a great point. He just, he said, say it like this. Cause he was with the Rangers for that many years. He said, say it like, like Felix Hernandez, right? He started to, you know, to really dip obviously stuff wise. Everyone was bashing him. And I'm, I play with the dude. So I saw him in his peak, you know, so it's kind of hard to, and you CJ gave me a great thing. He just said, say it like this, man. He said, Felix would be the first to tell you that he made a bad pitch. In other words, putting it, putting it back on him, basically back yeah. like, hey, yeah. he'd be the first to tell you. And that just, man, that made it so much easier because there's times where you do want to critique and be honest. <clears throat> I was just saying, it reminds me of, we were doing an Anaheim game a couple of years ago. And, you know, if you're of a certain age, you never really saw Pujols when he was the best hitter in the game, right? Yeah. So all you see is Pujols hitting 250, 260 with, you know, which is still good for most guys hitting 20 plus homers and driving in 80, 90, whatever runs. So yeah. I, I said, here, let's do this. Let's put Pujols' first seven or eight years in the league and let's put Trout's first seven or eight years in the league. And then you put them out next to each other and Pujols' numbers, is, we talk about Trout being the best player of his generation. Pujols' numbers are actually depending on what numbers you like, we're better. And I, and that my goal is kind of like, kind of like what you're saying with Felix, like yeah. let's not forget how good this guy was. Everybody yeah. declines at some yeah. point, but this guy's a first ballot hall of famer who was the best right-handed hitter of his generation. Yeah. And, it, and it's sitting there and you're looking at it going, you know, people forget and it's easy to move on to what's next. Who's the best now. And, and, and I think as players, we always want to remember how hard the game is how much respect those guys generate for what they did either at the beginning throughout their career or the fact that he's been able to play into his forties. And I think that's a hard thing too, to, to get across as a broadcaster without saying, without never wanting to knock guys, but also trying to show that respect of, of what those guys have earned. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Hey, um, I, before we let you go, Justin, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up some numbers here. Do you remember facing Grant ever? You have faced once each or, other. Once or twice. Up. Once or twice. Twice. Yeah, that's right. Huh? You're going to embarrass me. Ryan, uh, what's that? <laughs> nope. I hope so. No, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing you first. I'm getting back to me in a second. I've got to say, Justin, before, I mean, I, I met you back in 05. I think I was like, you know, 21 years old. And I said, before we came on, I was a rule five pick for the twins. And now I walk in this clubhouse, I'm shooting myself. You know, I'm nervous. You got guys like you and Johan Santana and all these dudes, you know, Tori Hunter and, and all these guys, Grant, you know what I mean? And I'm like, what am I doing here? Man? I got no shot. Yeah, rule five pick, you have to make the team for our Australian listeners, or otherwise you go back to the original team. And I'm sitting there like, I felt like a make-a-wish kid. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like I was someone was giving me like a like a, a trip to, to Disneyland. That's what it felt like. And I'm like, I'm, I'm out in three weeks. But I will say this. I was nervous before I came on because I'm, I hadn't looked up the numbers just yet against me. But I'm like, dude, this guy, I could not get you out, man. I could not get you out. So basically, for me, you went four for eight against me with three doubles. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question here in a second. I need you to be well, honest. Can, he, he can thank you later for his Hall of Fame uh, ballot. <laughs> yeah. <with the> <laughs> right. 
and and, I'm, and I remember some of the outs too. I remember there was times where I just threw some just hanging breaking ball and you crushed it linear straight at someone and they caught it and you put your head down. I remember, dude, because you're one of the toughest dudes for me to face. But And you can be honest with me. If you were facing me, if you even remember, or some guys, were you just like, I just can see this guy like a frigging beach ball. Like there is no chance this guy can get this ball past me. If he does, I'm going to be pretty frustrated. Yeah, well, if I was facing a lefty, not not as much righties, but lefties, a guy who could run that ball in and feel like he was going to break my bat or, or jam me or, you know, generate yeah. some weak contact, that's where I got really uncomfortable with, like, a Cliff Lee throwing that yeah. sinker in there and then throwing that front door cutter. And right. I know the numbers off Cliff are okay, but so if I felt like I could hang on and take your fastball to the opposite gap, then it gave me more time to stay on your breaking ball. And I think – I don't remember specifically, but for in general, as far as facing lefties goes, if, if I felt like I wasn't, you know, Lester was a tough guy for me because he could throw in and he could throw in hard and he could, he could right. hit that spot inside. So when I faced those guys, it was more of a, sometimes I got to try and pull this guy. But if I, if there was some comfort level of I could go gap to gap or use that opposite gap, then yeah, yeah. I think that led to success. And I think, I think the other thing is that breaking ball popped up a little bit out of your hand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just roll like my wig I, think, my uh, I think I can picture that uh, helicopter swing sometimes and, and doubles going into the gap many times uh, oh, yeah. from games I've watched you, mate. So, uh, by, by the way, you were I, I, I got to say, you can't feel too bad. Can't feel no, too no, bad. No, two, no, one strikeout? I think, I think there was, well, I, I looked, I did do the numbers. I like to do the numbers. 349 career doubles. So you can thank Rhino for what? Three of those, you said? <laughs> yeah, <three. laughs> I only faced you eight times. I think I walked you 20 times too. But Grant, you went 0 for 2 with two punch outs. How about that? Two no, punch outs. See, I knew there was one. He must have. Sure that must have been the, the second day after he had a few drinks or something. But yeah. After the Canadian <laughs> party in the hotel room. But Grant had that invisible middle up. I mean, I, yeah. I think if we had some analytics on him, not that he had that when he was pitching, because he's, you know, you're old now, mate. Sorry. That's just the way it goes. Uh, but Arca, not you, not you, too many grays yet. Dude, you could have, <laughs> man, you could have done some damage on the old track man or the rap soda. But who was Justin? Who was someone who just, man, hardest, hardest dude to face? Just couldn't couldn't get just uncomfortable. I know the numbers off CC were not good off Sabathia. He was one of those guys that, and because he was in our division for so long, and face him at the beginning when he was ninety eight and real just wipeout slider. And he's one of those yeah. guys who could. He wasn't afraid to pitch inside. He hit me early. I think he hit me in 05, I want to say. Right. Fastball ran up and in. I put my hands up and hit me in the hand right before the playoffs. And I remember that. Yeah. And that's one of those ones. I mean, Tommy Jim Tommy told me that too. Uh, Tommy hit him. I, I think he had like six homers off Tommy and, and he ended up hitting Tommy. And I think that was the opposite thing you want to do with Jim Tommy is wake him up and get him mad. But yeah, it, it was, yeah. he was one of those guys where the numbers were just not good. And, and Guardy just kept putting me in the lineup. He kept playing me. Finally, early in the year, we go to New York and I got you down today. I look at him. I said, it's about time. What are you waiting for? <laughs> six for 60 or whatever I got. I mean, he said, I just figured you were due. Eventually one of these times you're going to get a hit, but you know, yeah. he was one of those Probably guys. Nice. that just, it was just a bad combination of, of release point was the same on the fastball and the slider. And he could command, I felt like to lefties, the inside part. And he absolutely dominated me. Right. Didn't yeah. have that breaking ball coming up out of the hand. Yeah. Thanks. Well, mate, I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, mate, I, uh, I appreciate your time today, but before we let you go, I, I did want to say uh, thanks very much for the invite coming up there to uh, Minnesota for your induction into the hall of fame. It was an honor to, uh, to be there and to watch you and, and honestly, it was very emotional, obviously for you, but for the players and 
and for the people that are there, it was really emotional just, uh, you know, being out of the game now and looking back at where you were as a kid, you know, knowing what you, you know, you came up as a catcher, you, you convert the first base, you know, you just, just know you personally to, uh, to be around that and then just to be around all the other players and coaches and people that helped you in your career. And, and for me, where my career started, um, just, it was awesome, mate. So I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Justin, hey, I appreciate it, man. This has been friggin' awesome, dude. And uh, it's good to see you staying around the game. We need to get Grant more around the game, I think. I got lucky too, man. The reason I wanted to get doing the TV and radio and the stuff I do is just to be around the game. I love it. You know, I love being around, especially at that level. So it's good to have people like you, your kind of career, your insight, everything else that you offer. It's good to have people like you around the game, man. But uh, this has been fun. Hopefully... um, Hopefully you can jump back on and have the 10, uh, the 10 million listeners can uh, enjoy your, 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 your conversations again. Just listen to two Aussies and a Canadian talk baseball. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Mate, yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate Thanks, it, mate. Just, I appreciate your fun. time. Grant, i got to say, mate, that was uh, epic chat. I, I got, I'm not lying, dude. I was kind of yeah. – I was, I was nervous before he came on because I do – he owned me, and I felt like he had that yeah. look on his face every time he came up to hit and like, dude, yeah. you don't belong in the big leagues. That's what, that's what it felt <laughs> like. Nah, mate. It's um, – hey, we, we all have those guys. You know, maybe he, uh, he got you, but hey, mate, uh, what a great oh, bloke. Dude. You know, unbelievable player, but a great bloke, very knowledgeable. Love talking to him, you know. It was yeah. great, to, great to get there and, and chat with him. Yeah, man, he made some points that, you know, you, you don't think about. I love the fact he brought up that Smoltz and Jack Morris game because 100%, there is no way you would have had that epic, you know, starting pitcher versus starting pitcher into the 10th inning, just kept going and going and going, you know, running on fumes, all that good stuff, like that human element that, that you do miss from, from baseball. And he does have that. It's not like he was this dude who all of a sudden had to just rip the game to shreds today because he respects it, understands it. But he was a stud, man. You go back through his numbers, especially yeah. pre-concussion, he was an absolute stud. He was freaking good. Uh, mate, I, I remember, uh, you know, just watching it from, from the bullpen there when I was in the you know, first probably four years of my days with the Twins and just watching him uh, crushing balls off that baggie in right field, mate. Yeah. You know, I mean, before they, before they got that new stadium, um, they're in that, you know, makeshift Metrodome, the you know, football, and they'd roll that uh, right field fence down. And, mate, he would absolutely just tattoo that thing. He, he was he was good at going the other way too, hitting balls in the gap, like he said. I was um, pretty upset though. He goes, I could kind of see that breaking ball out of your hand. A nice way of saying, <laughs> dude, I could see from a freaking mile away. That was oh, my mate, pitch. Oh, mate, just, I remember it being a big, big, big breaking ball. And you punched out a big, a lot of big names on it. So, well, that, uh, that, dude, that, that was yeah. my pitch, man. But there was time again. There, there was a, a period in my career where I just, I, I lost it. Anyway, yeah. regardless. All right, I did want to, and, I, and I, I didn't bring this up to him. I didn't want to keep him too long. There was too much good stuff going on. But he is part of the Commonwealth. Canada is part of the Commonwealth. Now, this is yes. uh, seeping into our Aussie segment. That's grouse. Let's talk about the Commonwealth, mate. Australia, Canada are a part of the, the Commonwealth countries. What does that mean? Best explanation. I know you haven't got Wikipedia in front of you, but I, I nah. want to hear it, dude. Right off the cusp. I want to hear what Grant Balfour has to know about the Commonwealth. Let's go. Let's hear it. Jeez, mate, you put me on the spot. <laughs> I um, I just know it's all part of the, you know, part of basically being uh, surrounded by the queen, you know. You're right. Uh, we all... Um, the monarchy. The monarchy. That's it, mate. So we're, we're all around Queen Elizabeth and, and, and basically... 
that those countries, UK, Canada, Australia, we all have that connection. Um, New Zealand, I believe, is a part of the of the yeah. Commonwealth Games too. So, um, well, no, the Commonwealth. Yeah, we haven't got we haven't got the Commonwealth Games just yet. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, when we talk about it, you know, you you can look at the, the money, everyone's currencies. You know, all those countries' currencies, they're all going to have the Queen on them. You know, on, on there somewhere. Right. But um, yeah, and then we and we talk about the Commonwealth Games where all those countries compete against each other. Uh, just a, a, a huge thing growing up. You remember the, the Commonwealth Games, mate, when the you know swimming, huge. athletics, the whole nine. You know, <laughs> the thing was too. The thing was like Australia did pretty well at the Olympics, like the, the big show, right? Yeah. Not the Winter Olympics. I'm talking the Summer Olympics. We did pretty well, right? Yeah. But when the Commonwealth Games came around, mate, domination. I loved it. They were smashing Canada. They were smashing the UK. Because let, yeah. let's just talk through some of the some of the, the bigger countries: South Africa, Canada, Australia, United Kingdom. I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess you know. Here we go. I, I need to make sure. Okay, the United Kingdom. All right, Fiji is another one. New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, Samoa. I'm looking at all these Polynesian countries. Uh, by the way, too, I just a shout out Ryan Cohen. All British. All all basically British colonies from from early on. That's true. And they all got the queen on the coins. By the way, we're giving a great education to our newest member, The Apprentice, right? uh, yes. Ryan Cohen. You can follow him at Ryan Cohen 24 He's behind the scenes at the moment. He's an up-and-coming superstar in the world of baseball and social media, et cetera. But, uh, but Ryan's sitting here right now thinking, man, I didn't know all this. I mean, he's getting educated. I love it. <laughs> yeah, mate. He's a senior in college, mate, and he's learning something today. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> Stepping away from his his DJing uh, DJing degree, whatever he's doing. Oh, here we go. He just wrote he just wrote on the message board. Uh, this is why I went to school. Exactly, that's right. You're learning something. This is why you stick around to the end for the That's Grouse segment. You always learn something very good. I don't care if you're American, even Australians, mate. I have had some feedback saying I didn't know that about. The big Aussie icons, or I didn't know that yeah. about some of the topics. Yeah. There's a couple I didn't know about either until five minutes before I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> until when I put you on the spot. I yeah. love it. Like the, uh, the the Commonwealth Games, back to that. Again, it's straight domination. Even lawn bowls. Lawn bowls is a Commonwealth Games sport. I remember wow. like Australia dominating that. <laughs> Mate, well, you know what that's like. You drive down the local. And then uh, there's your lawn bowls, you know, and you got some of the some of the really nice ones up there in Newcastle too. I mean, I remember going past up your place there, going past the lawn bowls right there on the ocean on the edge of the cliff. Oh, exactly. mate, nothing better than that. a frothy one and and kneeling down and, and bowling that ball and that fresh cut grass, you know, and then looking up and seeing that ocean, mate. That's perfect right, mate. spot. There's a lot of uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, Commonwealth game prospects running around. On these on these lawn bowls in their flip flops sure. on a Sunday arvo, skewy in one hand, bowl in the other, straight yep. down the guts, and uh, yeah, some good performances. No, but you, you're right. It's one of those things. It's massive in Australia. Matter of fact, they have one here in Seattle, the Kangaroo yeah. and Kiwi. Big shout out to the Aussie pub up here in Seattle that you've been to. Um, yeah. If you roll through Seattle, make sure you go to the Kangaroo and Kiwi. But I remember way 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 back in the day when I was playing, they said, "Oh, hey, we're having Australia Day down the lawn bowls." I was like. Oh man, let's do this! It was insane. Yeah. I never even knew this place existed. It's like I was back in Australia. Scooby in well, one hand, beer in one hand, yeah. bowl in the other, flip flops on, giving the old like, yeah, yeah, not bad. Yeah, that's a shot, mate. <laughs> giving the old Swiss <laughs> drink of the beer afterwards. That's a that's a recreational bowling. And yeah. then, and I have to bring it up. We're just having Justin on the show today, and uh, being in Minnesota myself, in my earlier in my career, they do actually have one downtown Minnesota. 
Oh, wow. There's a pub down there, a British pub down there. And I don't know if it's still there or not, but they had a British pub down there. And uh, they had you go up on the second level and they had lawn bowls. I couldn't believe it, mate. Mate, you would have walked yeah. in there like you owned the place. Oh, man, yeah, mate. It, it, was, it was pretty fancy, mind you. I couldn't Wearing believe it whites? when I saw it. Yeah, they were, they were all the yeah, whites. Yeah, full like white uni. <laughs> well, that's just it, too. And I, looked I, I, like you're I, in the doctor's I, office. Dude, I remember, but you couldn't walk on the surface. I remember like all the, you know, a lot of the oldies were playing, right? And they yeah. had all their whites on and they had their tournaments and whatever. You couldn't step foot on that, on that. It's like a golf green, basically. Yeah. It's yeah, really it's basically well- got to treat it the same as a, a putting green. And it's cut the same too. So that's, exactly. Mate, yeah, it makes a big difference. You don't want to put a divot in there, mate. Mate, we used to go, when I was a kid, we used to go to the Rathmines Bolo, right? On Lake Macquarie out of Whoop Whoop. We used yeah. to go to Rathmines Bolo on a, for a food on a Wednesday night. And I remember you had to stay off the green, mate. If you're tenno, like you're playing brandies or you know backyard yeah. cricket, if the tenno tennis ball went onto the um, onto the bowls, yeah. mate, you have to you have to be a ninja to go get that thing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Light stepper, mate. Exactly. Here's some of the sports though. You've got swimming, so Australia is going to dominate. Uh, track and field, badminton, basketball, beach volleyball, bowls. There we go. Boxing, cricket. Cycling, gymnastics, judo, hockey, netball. Netball shows Nerdy, up. mate. Netball. We still haven't explained netball yet. Rugby sevens, squash or racquetball, yeah, I guess. Squash. <laughs> Table not tennis, the one you which, eat. Yeah, yeah, not what you eat. Yeah. Triathlon, weightlifting, wrestling, and uh, and backyard cricket just got just got added. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, with the Sulu bin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, giant, yeah, yeah, the big whiz bin, the, the big uh, rolly bin. Awesome. Oh, mate, it's a, it's a uh, long list of sports, mate. It's yeah, uh, mate, we, awesome. What, what were we doing? We should have kept Justin on to, to hear his knowledge about the Commonwealth Games, but that's all right. Next yeah. time, next time, when he comes yeah. back on. I know he's an avid listener, apparently. So Yeah, mate, no, he'll he be listening. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate, well, we better wrap this up. Big shout-out yeah. to all our new listeners. Hopefully, hopefully we've got some Minnesota listeners too up in Minnesota. Yes. Welcome. You've got this old maniac, this ex-twin, Grant Balfour. Hope you, hopefully you can stick around for the next few episodes. We need to get some more twins on here, man. That was fun. But uh, yeah, it was. big, big thanks, big shout out to everyone for tuning in, subscribing, and uh, yeah, stick with us, man. We're we're gonna we're gonna good episode every Tuesday. I can't wait. Thanks to everyone for listening, and then uh, like you said, hopefully we grab a bunch of people out there in Minnesota. That's right. It'll be yeah, awesome. Like trying to uh, spread our wings, mate, across the nation. That's right. Awesome. All right, mate. All of it, just like a magpie. All right, mate. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you later. All right. Blue champ. Yeah.